The ISN Global Kidney Care Podcast is made possible by the ongoing support of ISN members. Become a member today and let us together advance kidney health and knowledge worldwide. Go to the ISN.org to start your journey. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this new episode of the Global Kidney Care Podcast. My name is Roberto Pecoafilho, and I am the deputy chair of the ISN Education Workgroup. Hi, and I'm joining Roberto. It's me to say that I'm a nephrologist from the north of England, um, and I'm going to be helping Roberto ask some questions of some very, very exciting people. And today we have a very special episode dedicated to uh, nephrology fellows uh, supported by ISN in their training. We'll hear some very interesting stories about how the ISN fellowship helped to shape their careers and impact not only their careers, but also the community around uh, their activities. We will have a um, two-part episode dedicated to stories um, more in general in the second part about a specific story that uh, tells how ISM fellowships might help people building their career and impacting their communities. Right, so so here we are in the another uh, super special episode of the Global Kidney Care Podcast, and today uh, the focus of this discussion would be really on transitions, um, transitions from fellowship um, experiences to um, local impact in uh, different parts of the world. And these experiences will be described by three guests that we have today uh, from different parts of the world who had, uh, who have had the opportunity of being ISN fellows and uh, are now working on different projects, um, local impact, but perhaps with some story that relates to ISN's impact in their, their lives. Actually, would let um, Smita introduce our guests or coordinate an introduction of our guest today before we start with some uh, some of this discussion. Yeah, thanks, Roberto. So, hi everyone. It's uh, Smita from uh, rainy Manchester, as always. But we've got three uh, guests from all around the world, um, various climates. So, um, we'll start with um, Elliot, if that's okay. Do you want to tell us a little bit about you and your training with the ISN? All right. So, thank you very much, uh, Smita, and thank you all listening. And uh, oh, so my name is um, Elliot Crantintano. Um, I am a Ghanaian. I live in Ghana. I work in Ghana. I had my ISN fellowship done. Um, in South Africa under Probrazin Davids for two years, um, within which period I took advantage to have my MPhil also. And I've been, in fact, it's actually been one of my most exciting experiences in life because it's actually catapulted me so far as career is concerned in the field of nephrology and even into other things maybe we'll share as we get along. So I think it's really been great. 
Now, I came back in 2016, and with all the knowledge I gained with general nephrology, transplants, PD, or peritoneal dialysis, I came back, and it's virtually square one. I mean, you are on cloud nine, and the challenges on the ground were something else. And I had to virtually hit my head all around to get things done. So it was through that that I realized that, listen, I mean, it's good to know all your good nephrology stuff, but what is it when your average patient who comes to you with end-stage renal disease cannot afford dialysis. And having said that, in Ghana, people pay out of pocket for acute kidney injury care, for chronic kidney disease, for end stage. Government helps in terms of medications here and there, but if you need to be on dialysis, you pay out of pocket. And my average patient cannot afford. So it sets me thinking because you cannot just sit in your room or your consulting room and see patients die and sign death certificate. So advocacy became what I became particularly interested in, where Give me a mic, give me um, a PC, give me Zoom, whatever it is. I would, I would use it to ensure that the next person does not get a kidney disease for that matter end stage. And indeed, through that, I've been able to get a lot of people to support this advocacy and then eventually even writing a book on how to prevent kidney disease, which we were going to talk about um, a bit more. So I think that is a brief introduction about myself, if it's brief enough. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Elliot. So ISM Fellowship gives you a platform to do your own thing. <laughs> Um, so that's good. Um, uh, so, so, so that um, do you want to tell us a little about about your uh, ISN training, where it was, and and, and uh, where you are? Yeah, thank you, Smita. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Dr. Sudha Ekambaram, a pediatric nephrologist uh, from Chennai, India, and I'm currently the deputy head of the pediatric nephrology division at uh, Mehta Multispeciality Hospital, Chennai. Uh, I did two-year intensive uh, pediatric nephrology training, and post that, I underwent the ISN fellowship uh, training, which was supported by ISN along with uh, IPNA in the year 2013-14 at uh, National University Hospital, Singapore. The professional training that I received under the supervision of uh, Prof. Yap Hui Kim, is, uh, who's currently the president of uh, IPNA, was a huge opportunity and a privilege uh, to me, I would say. Uh, I'm inspired by her professional commitment, her team spirit, uh, a sense of responsibility, as well as feeling for the patients as well as uh, doctors. Uh, her way of disseminating knowledge among the junior uh, doctors was really amazing. And I'm happy to share that uh, till date, uh, Prof. Yap has been very uh, supportive and uh, guides me uh, with difficult uh, cases. I just uh, send her a WhatsApp and there she is with an immediate solution to me. And I would consider this relationship as one of the greatest gift in my career. And I think uh, this platform has been laid by ISN uh, for me. And the uh, entire team at uh, NUH, uh, including Dr. Perelo, Dr. Karhui, Dr. V. Song, and Dr. Isaac were very supportive throughout my uh, training program. And uh, through this training, uh, I got uh, the opportunity uh, to further develop my skin, uh, clinical skills, especially in uh, pediatric uh, dialysis and uh, transplant. Uh, I think the rest we will be discussing. Yeah, no, that's great. So thank you. And you've highlighted that the ISN supports pediatricians and gives you access to leading pediatricians. It's not just for adult nephrologists. So that's great. And last but not least, uh, Rolando. 
Hi, hi everyone. Thank you for the invitation to be part of this uh, podcast. I am Rolando Claure del Granado. I am an adult nephrologist from uh, Cochabamba, uh, Bolivia. I was an ISM fellow uh, back in 2009. I spent two years at the uh, University of California, uh, San Diego in the U.S., being Ravi Meda, my, my mentor. Uh, my uh, fellowship training focused uh, more on uh, clinical research, on the uh, topic of critical care nephrology, CR, uh, and CRT type of uh, uh, renal replacement therapies. Uh, but I also had the opportunity to be exposed to, uh, to uh, the uh, how to to, to, take, to better take care of patients with AKI and who are in, in at the ICU. So uh, the, that's uh, that's what I have been uh, uh, involved uh, at the first time with the ISM uh, fellowship. And uh, back in 2012, I got back in, uh, into my my country and start uh, working on one of the biggest uh, healthcare uh, insurance in in Bolivia. That's a public institution, and I start to uh, to develop all the uh, the projects I had in mind back from uh, from the U.S., like developing uh, uh, the first CRT program in my in my country, uh, starting a research program, and being involved in uh, so many activities ISM has to offer uh, after ISM fellowship. Thanks, Rolando. So you've just highlighted how you can do an ISN fellow, lift and shift it back in your own country, but then continue to be involved in the uh, ISN as well. So, um, so that's three great intros. So I'll, I think Roberto's got about a million other questions. <laughs> so I'll hand over to Roberto. Yeah, and I do. And I, and I mean, I was just thinking about the geographic coverage of this discussion today, you know, from Ghana to India to Bolivia and um I, I I I think I would like to start the, you know with Rolando and because looking at some of the your current activities with uh, within ISN it it makes uh, it makes it clear that the you know the fellowship really triggered open do- uh, the opening of doors in terms of opportunities and um do you really feel that the fellowship was really the starting point for what you could do and what you're doing today with ISN in so many different areas? Or was it something that you already planned to have before the fellowship opportunity showed up? Yeah, I think that is a great question. And I see uh, the fellowship uh, program as, uh, as the start of my journey inside ISN and the start of the journey in my uh, clinical, academic, and research. I really think that the ISN fellowship gave me the opportunity uh, to improve uh, my skills, my clinical skills, my research skills, uh, my academic uh, career. And that start to open in me doors and uh, introduced me to uh, several people who were part of uh, different ISM programs. Uh, so I want to continue this uh, journey and to uh, take advantage of, the, of those uh, incredible opportunities that ISM gave you as, as a past fellow with uh, so many programs ISM has. That's why uh, uh, after Two years of uh, I I have came back from 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 US. I applied for uh, the Sister Renal Center uh, program. So I want to continue and to establish a, a collaboration with my past mentor, uh, the institution uh, with whom I was involved back in the US, to keep. Uh, 
improving the health uh, of uh, of my patients here in in Bolivia, and uh, that is uh, that uh, that continue that journey continue with uh, so many activities uh, ISN has. So I was uh, interested to be part of the Young Nephrology Committee. I just, I, I was fortunate to be accepted to be uh, one of the of the members representing Latin America, and uh, then I was uh, the uh, appointed as the chair of this committee, and that. Uh, allow me to, I think, give back to ISN uh, uh, what uh, some some things uh, that uh, ISN have given me, give, give, give me, give to me. So that means I was able to help ISN and help other other young nephrologists to develop uh, the, their careers. So I think that's uh, that's one of the uh, the main uh, benefits that the ISN fellowship gave, gave to you. It gave uh, you so many opportunities to to work inside ASN, to know people, to start doing network. Etc. I was going to ask you, Elliot, about the you know you mentioned the importance of advocacy and prevention strategies and, and how this is actually a big part of your efforts in Ghana nowadays. Do you think that you know going to South Africa instead of the traditional pathway that some people might have, like you know going to developed countries like in Europe or in the in, in North America, do you think that you choosing as, as an African nephrologist, choosing to go to South Africa was helpful in terms of shaping up your training to something that is more, you know, it, it, it's more aligned with your local reality when you go back? Thank you very much, Roberto. In fact, um, it was actually the best decision, I must confess, you know, because I think it is great to see and manage people who are similar, you know, to the kind of people you'll be managing when you come back. And the systems that were there, though advanced, indeed, you are still trained because they know they are training you back into West Africa. You know, it's a bit on the high side on in South Africa, but as you are training, you actually know that, okay, this is what I need indeed to be able to do well when I come back. I'll give an example, for instance, you know, in doing renal biopsies, for instance, in South Africa, when you are doing renal biopsies, you have a radiograph, a sonographer with you who holds the probe and then all you do is shoot, all right? I got there and then I discussed with Prof. Davis. I was like, no, I am in no way going to get a, a sonographer with me all the time to do renal biopsies. So I need to know how to do the ultrasound myself and be able to take these tissues myself. Indeed, the nurses were not very comfortable from the beginning because this was what they were used to, not doing it at the bedside, but doing it at the uh, sonographer's lounge, should I say. But that is how the training was. So one way or the other, when I came back, that transitioning was not difficult at all because I trained for my, um, uh, my setting, one way or the other. And that is why I feel that it is good. And in any case, you know, you probably might not get pathology results like we do it on Tuesday. By Wednesday, you are getting pathology results. Probably here, it's going to take you about two weeks. You know, so indeed, in my opinion, it was actually the best because you are actually seeing people who are similar to you. They think similar in terms of, you know, and the population where, uh, in terms of Tiger Beck, that was draining. We're draining people from, I mean, the black community, from Gugulatus and all. So you actually could align with the kind of people you are going to train with. So I tell my people, and ever since I came back, I'm happy to say I've sent two other nephrologists from my institution to the same institution because of what I got out of it. And I think one thing I should say is that, uh, which of course um, I, I think I should mention is that when I applied for ISN the first time before I went to South Africa, unfortunately, I didn't get it. 
You know, so I didn't get the ISN fellowship the first time. But guess what? I was still bent on going anyway. So I went, <laughs> I started. And indeed, when I started off, when the next uh, application came, Prof. David was like, listen, Elliot, apply. And in fact, when you apply, you let them know that you are serious. And this time around, they don't have an, an option. They are going to give it to you. So it was difficult getting back all the letters sitting in South Africa. But I managed to get all the letters. And I'm happy to say, then ISN came over and then, you know, supported. And it's been a decision I've never regretted. <laughs> It is. I must confess, it is, and it's paid off. And it, that that platform that ISN give, you know. So sometimes you might have some inherent ability to do whatever you want to do, but you need that platform. You need somebody to hold your hands. And I think that is what I had with Prof. David. Where, in fact, I met uh, Roberto the first time in actually South Africa when he came to Cape Town. He might not remember, but I remember him. So we took a selfie sometime, you know, when he also came. So <laughs> I think it, it gives you that platform to know that at least you can measure up to the rest of the world and whatever thing that you do in terms of research, in terms of clinical care, in terms of knowledge, you can actually bring whatever it is from wherever it is to your own local setting to be able to help your people. And I think that is what ISN gave me. Yeah. How, how about you, Suda? Was it easy for you to apply and get the, get the fellowship approved or uh, I would say that I was very lucky. I got it approved in the first uh, application itself. So mine was like that. And uh, the fellowship uh, was indeed a, a great boon, I would say. And uh, trust me, I was uh, a little uh, uh, not uh, very happy initially to go because I had my two boys. I had to leave them behind and I had to go. But my mentors, uh, uh, late uh, Dr. M. Vijay Kumar, uh, Professor Edwin Fernando and Professor Biyar Namalwar, they were very much bent upon saying that you need to go and you need to improve the dialysis unit. You need to come back and improve the dialysis unit. They pushed me and my family members were uh, very much for it and my uh, parents, in-laws and uh, my husband, all of them took care of my uh, two boys at that time and I went to Singapore. And uh, in uh, Singapore, it was uh, really great. I had a very uh, a good uh, exposure of uh, pediatric uh, dialysis as well as the pediatric transplant. And it's just not that. Uh, we used to have uh, daily uh, ward rounds and uh, clinical teaching happening every week in a very structured way, which actually helped me. Uh, and it gave me the confidence. And one important thing which uh, I really enjoyed, apart from my academics uh, at Singapore, was their annual day outing. Uh, they took uh, the kids, uh, the children with uh, who are on uh, dialysis and those who had transplant. Uh, they took the kids out for uh, three days. It was a fun-filled uh, uh, outing for them. And I really enjoyed the smile, the joy that the children had uh, with them for the three days was something which I can never forget in my uh, lifetime. And that actually prompted uh, me to start an annual day outing uh, for the children with uh, renal ailments in my own uh, setup. So every year, though it's not possible for me to take on a night uh, trip, I take them on a day outing. And since we have beach uh, in our uh, place, I take them uh, to a beach resort. We go in the morning and come back in the evening. Children just enjoy that moment. They are like waiting uh, for every year. They keep asking me, when are you taking us? So uh, that's uh, something uh, really uh, great uh, uh, just uh, so many things that ISN has actually uh, opened the doors uh, to me. 
And uh, in fact, uh, post uh, the fellowship, after me coming back, uh, I started with the ISN uh, Educational Ambassador Program uh, in 2015 and Dr. Dwaraknathan Ranganathan from uh, Home Dialysis Independent Dialysis Unit from RBWH Brisbane uh, was my Educational Ambassador and uh, he supported us so much and he uh, taught us uh, the further intricacies in uh, dialysis. And then we went into the ISN Sister Angel Center partnership uh, with them uh, under the supervision of uh, Dr. Dwaraknathan as well as uh, Dr. Peter Trinka from uh, Brisbane. And uh, currently we are in uh, level uh, B. And uh, that was uh, something I should uh, thank the ISN because uh, that center has also been very supportive to us, uh, helping us out uh, with uh, all the World Kidney Day activities, the social activities, uh, which we actually take towards the public. We have a walkathon happening uh, every year. We do street plays uh, where uh, we actually focus the college and uh, school uh, students as well as the uh, public. We have uh, drawing competitions uh, happening uh, for the school students and uh, uh, there's so much which uh, the, we do and I think uh, ISN has uh, played a, a great role uh, in this and uh, uh, it has just built the confidence uh, which I think uh, is something which a doctor really needs. Yeah, yeah so you can see that you guys are all re have already have clearly got a lot out of the ISN fellowship but you also have developed leadership roles um, so I'm going to ask you a slightly tricky question if you had to pick one thing what's the you know what is the achievement you're most proud of since you got back so I'll start with you so that uh, so one thing uh, I would say uh, it's very difficult to choose uh, one uh, can I choose multiple <laughs> one <laughs> <laughs> Um, I would uh, say that uh, I'm uh, very happy with the academic uh, achievement what I have uh, got. I was able to upgrade the dialysis uh, unit. I'm currently the deputy head of the pediatric nephrology department and I've been guiding pediatric postgraduates and pediatric nephrologists. And uh, currently I'm the subcommittee member of the professional educate, uh, education committee of the International Pediatric Nephrology Association, as well as I was uh, the past executive committee representing the South Zone in Indian Society of uh, Pediatric uh, Nephrology. And also, I've been invited to participate in the urinary tract uh, infection uh, guideline, which has been formulated by the uh, Indian Society of uh, Pediatric uh, Nephrology. So you're a real academic leader now, courtesy of the ISN. Fantastic. Um, okay, Elliot, just the one. I think I know, might know what yours is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you want to take a guess? <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you say. <laughs> yeah. The one thing, yeah. So as finally getting out a book, I think um, it's, it's great to get a book out there um, that virtually summarizes all that you have been saying so far. And indeed, I think it boils down from the fact that I quickly realized where the challenges were so far as our country was concerned. And in any case, I actually, in fact, there's one thing I've not mentioned, which um, through my advocacy work, I actually realized that there was a huge inequity uh, um, challenge in the country in terms of dialysis. You know, the point is that you are rich, you live. You are poor, you die. So that equity challenge became such a big problem. So you see people who cannot afford and they are dying. And that actually pushed me more into, listen, if you don't have money to get onto dialysis, then you may as well prevent yourself from getting there in the first place. And I must confess that through that work, 
work I did with the advocacy and equity, I actually had the opportunity being chosen to be one of the fellows of the Atlantic um, Atlantic Fellows for Health Equity. You know, it's actually a global uh, program where we put together, I mean, all global in terms of the whole country, uh, the whole world, they choose about 20 people. And through the work that I did, and I think it's actually all because of what I've gained from ISN, I got the opportunity to be selected. And now I'm a senior fellow of, of that. And it's actually by the George Washington uh, University. So this happens to be, if I have a feeling I've mentioned probably more than one, but I think it's all encompassing the idea of the pushing the prevention with whatever means that I have possible. And I am grateful to ISN here. Yeah, I'm hearing that advocacy coming out of you and, and that's led to, to the things that you've taken forward. And then uh, Rolando, just the one. Uh, yeah, just one. I think that uh, the, the one achievement I, I will choose is the I was able to, to change the set of mind that uh, most of uh, physicians, uh, academics have, have in my country that we cannot do that. But yes, yes, we, we could do. We... Uh, we will able to implement uh, an, uh, uh, an amazing nephrology program, uh, an amazing um, uh, CRT program. Uh, we are able to do research and continue to do research. Uh, we continue uh, to be able to publish in, in, in journals, etc. I think that's that's the main uh, achievement I had that uh, we could do things in low resource settings and things that uh, uh, people usually think that are only possible to to be done on, or to be achieved in high income countries i think that's the, the main achievement and I, and i and that uh, inspire other uh, young nephrologists and i think i have uh, inspired uh, young physicians so they are now looking for doing the same things not only in the nephrology area but in other areas like uh, internal medicine, gastroenterology, etc. Yeah, you can hear that. You took the opportunities from the ISN, but didn't just keep it for yourself. You've shared it. So, um, yeah, that, that comes across as well. So, no, that's, that's great. Well done, everyone, for just sticking to your ones. <laughs> yeah. And th those were really powerful stories. And I really like... Um, you know, what you just uh, said, Rolando, that is, um, you know, a little bit of a um, story that could, could have an impact on other, other young, young, not only nephrologists, but physicians across the globe. And you provided them with, with some advice. And I, I might take this and, and also ask um, Elliot about, you know, if you were to give advice to other people, um, like um, young nephrologists across the globe that are considering uh, to have the same experiences that you had, what would be the advice you would, you would give to, you know, some of these people starting a story that might be similar to yours? Yeah, so thank you. So I think the first I would want to let them know um, is that one, they definitely um, need to follow their passion, okay? And the key is that, like I said, ever since I returned, two others have actually gone to South Africa, same unit, in the sense that they need to own whatever thing that they want to learn. 
I can hear all of us virtually, you know, take something out of whatever we've got out of ISN in terms of wherever we're, Rolando, Suta. In fact, we all have that unique thing we are pushing forward. And I think that is that one thing I'll let them know that, listen, there's there's a huge area in terms of even nephrology. And indeed, you probably might decide on that, okay, this is what I get excited with. I, I like transplant. I like the kids. I like ICU care. I like inter- whatever it is that you are fascinated about, make sure you do it. And the key is that you do it very well because I think I got excited being asked to come and talk about my experience. I was like, okay, what did I do? I mean, to come and talk about my experience. But the point is that whatever little thing you do in that your small area, somebody is watching and then someday it will pay off. So I think my advice to them is to follow their dreams. Don't be too excited. I tell some of them when they walk up to me, okay, I want to go to the US, I want to go to the UK and all. Personally, I don't think that is what it is about. It's about what do I hope to get out of where I am going to? And in any case, if you can get it in Egypt, go to Egypt. In fact, apart from South Africa, Egypt is the area that is also coming up across Africa where I'm actually telling people it's good to go to somewhere that is close where you are able to link better. So it's not, it's not the oh, US, UK and all. It's, it's about what am I hoping to get out of where I am going to. And indeed, wherever it is, you look for a mentor who will guide you around because that's important. I also heard Sudan also mention that even up till now, there's links with the mentor. And that is the lifelong mentorship I've also built with the people in South Africa that ever since I'm done, we are still doing projects together. In fact, we just wrote the COVID-19 uh, guideline for the African Association of Nephrology, of which I was part. And indeed, my mentor was also part of it. You know, So that lifelong thing also built. And I think that is great, I, I must confess. Thank you. How about you, Suda? Have you, have you thought about any advice you'd give to a young um, pediatric nephrologist thinking about uh, starting a, an application for a fellowship? Um, I think as, uh, uh, as Elliot said, uh, dream. Dream is not what you see in sleep, but uh, it's a thing that doesn't let you sleep. Is a very famous uh, wording from our later president, uh, Dr. Abdul Kalam. And I think uh, that's something which you need to uh, have, the, you need to have the fire within yourself and then you achieve something. So start dreaming high when you start, uh, once you finish your um, uh, uh, post-graduation. And I think uh, that's something which is really the need of the hour. And you need to understand there are so many people around you and there are so many uh, institutions as well as there are so many bodies which are helping us actually. And uh, it should open to the world that uh, there are uh, forums like uh, the ISN and the IPNA where uh, they're actually, uh, uh, they're helping and they are uh, monetary helping us, I would say. So that's something which is very much uh, needed at the beginning of our uh, career. And uh, that was uh, a big boon. So make use of the opportunities around you. There are so many opportunities. So make use of the opportunities and I think you will definitely win. And uh, 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 fellowship training is something, choosing the right mentor and the fellowship training is something which is uh, giving you the, uh, which will give you the confidence and definitely you're going to win the race. I love that quote. I'm going to steal that. (laughs) (laughs) That's properly. Yeah, really good. Well, guys, I I think we're getting getting, um, to the end of our uh, discussion here. Uh, really powerful stories from uh, you know nephrologists coming from different parts of the world showing the impact of um, the 
ISN training opportunities on the lives of your personal lives, but also the personal lives of uh, people that need the nephrology care in different parts of the globe. I'd like to really thank you for sharing those stories with us today. Elliot, Suda, Rolando, great stories, great impact you guys are doing. Congratulations for all your efforts from ISN. And um, I hope you continue to interact in this global nephrology world. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You're listening to the ISN Global Kidney Care Podcast. The ISN is proud to provide open source educational materials to the global nephrology community, but none of this would be possible without your support as an ISN member. Go to www.theisn.org forward slash membership and support us today. Okay, so this episode today is really dedicated to the uh, lives and stories of fellows and uh, we heard about this story some some weeks ago and we thought that that would be a, a great example of something we could expand and discuss a little bit more in depth about something done by a nephrology fellow that um, that has impact the local community so I'm gonna be uh, uh, talking together with Smita, with um, Elliot Tanner, a fellow that we just had a very nice discussion with about the, a specific project that I thought was fascinating. And this is a project about a book written by him uh, and focused on things that might be useful to his surroundings in Ghana. Elliot, um, why a book in times of social media and, you know, express communication? Why did you decide to go for the traditional model of a book to communicate with your community? <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Roberto. And thank you, Smita. Thank you, ISN, for this um, opportunity. Um, why a book? In fact, hmm, that is a, a tough one, <laughs> I must confess. <laughs> Because why is a tough one is because I didn't set out to write a book. So I actually started off with what you mentioned, social media, the quick fixes, information out there, WhatsApp and all. And indeed, this is what I had been doing ever since I came back from my ISN fellowship in 2016. I think so around, of, around 2017, maybe I think it started in earnest. Um, and also because of what I was seeing in terms of um, where I work, where most people cannot afford dialysis and come and die from kidney disease when they don't know petty, petty things. So it didn't start off with the idea of a book at all. It didn't. It actually started off with one message or the other on my Facebook wall, one WhatsApp message to a friend, one um, answering to a question. And indeed, in fact, I actually picked stories, um, live stories from my consulting room where somebody will walk up and, oh, in fact, one of the uh, articles I actually wrote, you know, that's actually how I started, where I'll write an article for publication in an online media, graphic online, my joy online, and all of those. And indeed, I realized that they were, you know, accepting my papers uh, or my publication. So I write a bit of a, a story. And one of the things I remember writing is, Doc, how about the other kidney? And Roberto Smita, why I actually wrote that was because it was a question that was clearly asked by my patient in the consulting room. So my patient who had 
developed end-stage renal disease and had been sent to come and see me for further management, asked me that, doc, I know I have two kidneys, you know, so if you are saying that, you know, and those two kidneys, you know, work separately, right? Because if one is damaged, I guess the other should be able to help me, you know, so I was like, okay, I felt this was a basic fact that everybody should know that, okay, both kidneys virtually work together, but maybe, yes, I'm sitting in my own world thinking everybody knows this. No, everybody does not know this, so I need to let people know this, that the kidneys are two, yes, but they work together. So if you come in and we check your blood and we realize that, okay, there's a problem with your renal function, what we are actually saying is that both kidneys probably may have a damage, because if it was only one, chances are that wouldn't have had a problem in in the first place for somebody to even refer you to me. So that was how some of these things started. So I take real life stories and I go out there and I put it in, you know, simple layman's uh, English for the ordinary person to understand. So I started doing this one way or the other. So I write about this. I wrote another thing about have a medical holiday because indeed, uh, Roberto, what I actually realized is that most people will come and they've never done renal function test ever in their life. You know, so there's no baseline to even uh, uh, refer to, you know, in your training, people will have baseline renal function on the system. So you log on and go, like, oh, the creatinine was normal uh, two months ago, so it has to be acute. This time around, they come and the creatinine is in the thousands and there's nothing baseline anywhere. So I was like, listen, guys, let's have a habit of once a while checking and knowing our numbers. So I titled this article, Know Your Numbers. Know your blood pressure, know your sugar level, know your weight, know your height and be able to calculate BMI. So when your weight is going up and all, we'll be able to tell. And indeed, if you know your renal function at least once a year, if there's something on toward that happens, you get sick and we realize that your creatinine is up, we'll have some reference to. So that is how Roberto started. So with all of these stories, so I was like, ah, if I'm able to write this and it's seeming to get some publicity in terms of people reading it and all, why don't I put all together? Because now I go and talk at these places on radio, on television and all. And after I've spoken, now people would want something to refer to. I was like, okay, let's go the old tradition way of putting something together for those who would want to read to at least have an opportunity to read it. So um, in answering your question, that is how... Um, the story started and ended in a book. Mm. So what's the name of your book? And it sounds like it's it's relevant to so many people. But, um, you know, when you were writing it, who were you thinking of? And, you know, and, and how do you plan on getting it out to people? All right. Uh, thank you very much, Smitha. So the name of the book is How to Prevent Kidney Disease. You know, so it's actually a catchy topic because I feel this is the one that if it's on the shelf, people would want to, okay, how do I prevent kidney disease? You know, because I think the one thing that on our part of the, on, in our part of the world, which might be similar to others, is the fact that um, the industry of health is not just for practitioners like us. There are traditionalists, you know, there are herbal medication people, there are all sort of all, all forms of uh, treatments that have been thrown out there. And I must confess, those people are more vocal, more aggressive than we are. What I realize is that we have all the information, but unfortunately we sit in the comfort of our teaching hospitals expecting people will know, and they don't. And what the ordinary woman who sits by her way selling tomatoes in the market would hear is the radio saying that they should do this herbal medication or the other because that is what will prevent them from getting kidney disease. So I was like, okay, if I have the facts, why don't I put the facts out there? 
so that, oh, if they know somebody has had kidney disease and they at least want to prevent kidney disease, they'll go out and look at, oh, how to prevent kidney disease and hopefully be able to read it. So that is where we are starting off. And indeed, in terms of the second part of your question, how do I get it out there? So because I already have the platform in terms of radio and television in some situations and all, already when you go to visit a church and mosque or some organized group, they would be willing to, after you've spoken to them, that, okay, listen, Elliot, um, uh, can we have something? And then I can now well, mention to them that, okay, there's this book that I've written. And indeed, I had my ordinary person on the street in mind. So if you read it and you're a nephrologist, I'm sorry, you might not get a lot of more information to add on to your uh, cutting edge information so far as nephrology is concerned. But this is actually for the ordinary person on the street. And indeed, I will take um, days trying to recoil a sentence which would appeal to you and change one word or the other to ensure sure that no, it is such that everybody can understand. So I have a daughter, a 10-year-old daughter, and I, I ask her, if you read this, what does it appeal to you? Do you understand it in terms of what I want you to understand? If you say, Daddy, I don't understand, then I go like, okay, no, it means the ordinary person will not understand, and I have to change um, the wording. So it took me time to write this, not actually because of the content, it's actually because of converting the content to what everybody on the street will be able to understand. And again, COVID gave me that opportunity to spend more time to do um, that in terms of, you know, changing some of the wording. And indeed, there might be one or two that are still out there, but I think it's still work in progress, you know. So that, that is um, what this is about, yeah. And this is so crucial, right, Elliot, because... Um you know, if we, if we manage to, to really do preventive work in chronic kidney disease, we need to go outside of the nephrology world and really teach people who are really uh, treating these patients early on in the progress of disease. And you mentioned some, some, um, some, some stakeholders in this that are quite peculiar to your part of the world like traditional healers, for instance, I know they are very important in some areas of the world. And um, do, you, do you feel that, um, that you, you raise the awareness of your book in that community? And um, did, did you get feedback from some of them about you know, how this has impacted their practice? Okay, so thank you very much. So um, I must confess, in fact, that um, we are just in October. We actually launched this book in August. So um, it's pretty new um, on the market. But I think what I am actually trying to do, or I've been trying to do to push the book, again, is social media. So on Twitter, on um, 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 Facebook, um, I try to take a message, you know, sometimes, you know, just a sentence and I throw it out there. And indeed, that is all to create the awareness about the book. I mean, and to follow up even after the book came out, whatever I actually tried, I did, I mean, on Sunday, I think two days ago, uh, was to do an, a Facebook Live, you know, so there was a two hour, I spoke to a pharmaceutical uh, company, they were ready to sponsor a two hour uh, session where I had interaction with uh, ordinary people on Facebook. I mean, and what were we discussing the same topic, how to prevent kidney disease, where I took them through, you know, the basics of what they are supposed to know. And uh, Roberto, it's amazing. The questions that were coming from it, indeed, as of the time we're done, there were uh, about almost a thousand people 
actually viewing it and indeed after the program now we are almost about 1000 1.8 k actually viewing it and i feel that is where these questions came up that okay i am taking this herbal medication or the other is it good for the kidney and then i'm doing this so i feel it's a gradual process it might not change overnight i must confess because what we are already used to is actually so inculcated in our system and it doesn't take writing a book in three months to change the system but i think it's a step in the right direction that i feel that we can push and i actually are encouraging my other i mean uh, uh, colleagues i mean in the country in fact on our platform like i mentioned on the isn platform and even on the afran platform that listen the knowledge we have is so much but we have it concentrated in where we probably don't need it in terms of the teaching hospitals and all we need to trickle that information to that ordinary person on the street whatever means you have available we cannot just wait for world kidney day to go out there and make noise it's good but it's not enough we need to take advantage of whatever opportunity we have and flood our facebook walls flood our instagram pages flood twitter flood in linkedin wherever it is with that information because the industry already we are submerged in terms of what we come in as nephrologists because the ordinary person in Ghana will not think think about coming to see a nephrologist when they have a kidney disease they actually will think about seeing the traditional herbalist when they are sick and that is a big problem then they tend to worsen our problem so we need to get out there but it's it's a gradual process and we'll get there so you've made a huge case for localized education um so you've got your book which is uh, clearly localized for your community your people but maybe you know your group of ISN people you could inspire them to do their own versions of how to prevent kidney disease in other parts you know localized care to talking to the people um but um as well obviously you can't do all of that but you know i'm assuming there's going to be more books coming up new topics um what's next <laughs> Yeah, I I actually can tell you this because um the next one is um am I at risk of kidney disease? All right. So that's actually the final I finished I I conclude on the topic of course when it's done, but I think I one of the questions that I kept um that kept coming after I wrote this one it's oh doc who is supposed to go for screening oh so who is supposed to do that who is supposed to do that and more often than not people sometimes take themselves out that okay I think I am fine so in as much as i am fine now i don't think i have kidney disease so in fact what i'm actually trying to do in fact this first book i actually outlined the 10 common questions that i was asked so in terms of how to prevent kidney disease i talk about 10 main things you know that are uh, were boiling so far as uh, most of my advocacy was concerned and the next one i'm actually looking at is actually 20 risk factors so i've actually looked at 20 common risk factors that are around that are actually you know might apply to everybody one way or the other so far as the local uh, community is concerned so if you are to see the next one it's most likely am i at risk of kidney disease or something in that you know light trying to bring that awareness that one way or the other i mean if you get some diarrhea or some uh, 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 malaria or whatever it is like and you probably don't treat it well or you take medications without you probably might be at risk of kidney disease just to bring it very close to them and indeed i feel that um, well i hope to make more time to finish it up but most likely uh, smita that is the next one you might be seeing <laughs> how to prevent chronic kidney disease a book written by uh Elliot Tanner a ex fellow of ISN ISN now a nephrologist in Ghana 
The book is based on the 10 most important questions that Elliot has uh, heard uh, during his Kidney Health Promotion campaigns. Elliot, thank you so much for sharing the story with us. Uh, it was a great pleasure. Thanks, Elliot. Thank you very much, uh, Roberto. Thank you very much, Mita. It's a great opportunity, and I really thank you for this opportunity. Thank you.